0: Hello, CONFAB listeners. Eric Felton here. I wanted to let you know that the CONFAB is now part of the Daily Standard podcasts. So please be sure to go on iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to the Daily Standard. And you'll get the CONFAB every weekend, plus Bill Crystal every Friday, and other great Weekly Standard content the rest of the week. Welcome to the Confab. I'm Eric Felton. This is where the editors and writers of the Weekly Standard get together to talk about what's in the magazine, what's in the news, and whatever else may be on our minds. Another week, another avalanche of Trump news. We're going to talk with Michael Warren about the naming of former FBI Director Robert Mueller as special counsel to investigate allegations that the Trump campaign was somehow in cahoots with Vladimir Putin. Will the fact of an independent investigation bring some much-needed calm to Washington? Yeah, good luck with that. Speaking of a lack of calm in Washington, the president of Turkey visited our town this week, and it looks like he didn't like the fact that, this being America, protesters were allowed to protest his visit. And so Turkish security came out from the ambassador's residence and demonstrated what they do back home— They beat and kicked and bloodied the protesters. Phil Terzian is here to tell us about the fallout of the fracas. All that coming up on the Confab. The Confab, by the way, is sponsored by the Dollar Shave Club. They don't mess around with 14-blade razors and magic lubrication strips or other silly shave technology. As a Confab listener, you can enjoy your first month with the Dollar Shave Club for just $5 with free shipping included. Just go to dollarshaveclub.com slash confab. Don't forget the slash confab part. We'll get things rolling on the confab with Mr. Michael Warren, senior writer, White House correspondent for the Weekly Standard. Mike, welcome back to the confab.
1: Thanks for having me, Eric. This is a nice refuge from... Uh, covering the White House this week. The yeah. tornado that exactly. is all things Trump. This is like a calm here, maybe in the eye of the storm. It's, that's it's a safe are. space. There, there we go. That's, that's what I always love about the CONFAB. It feels safe. I feel We like,
0: welcome all the snowflakes to they, come they, they, and exactly. be in the, in the safe space that is the CONFAB. So the, one, one reporter this week wrote that um, the naming of Robert Mueller to be a special counsel to look into The Russian Trump connection, if there is a Russian Trump connection, wrote that this was this was good news for Donald Trump. Um,
1: Calmed everything down. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it it is good news for Donald Trump if there's nothing here, right? I mean, in all seriousness, this is a um, this this Robert Mueller, a the former FBI director, very well respected. Uh, across the sort of legal and law enforcement world. Um, and if there's really nothing, not just for Donald Trump, but for any of his campaign associates, uh, people attached to the campaign, uh, really, if they did nothing wrong, uh, as, as one uh, legal expert uh, who knew uh, Mueller at DOJ said, then, then, then Mueller's the perfect guy. Uh, and the addendum to that is that if Trump can stay out of, out of the investigation's way, uh, not talking about it, not uh, trying to bring it up or uh, answering questions, the inevitable questions he will get about this for the, for the uh, indeterminate future, um, then it could possibly be a good thing for him. He could reorient his administration toward their domestic policy goals and, uh, and sort of uh, uh, no longer have to answer. They have an out now for every time there's a question about this. They can say, well, this, the, the special counsel is is investigating this and we have no further comment. That's what could happen. Yeah. What are the odds that <laughs> that happens
0: as opposed to an outraged tweet goes out at 4 a.m.
1: Well, I mean, we have uh, we have evidence of that already. So uh, on Wednesday night, uh, the the announcement goes out that that uh, Mueller has been appointed, and you get I I thought what I thought was sort of an uncharacteristically normal statement from the president. Uh, apparently, was dictated by him in the Oval Office with a bunch of aides around. And it basically, it said, in effect, we hope this investigation ends soon. Blah blah blah, boilerplate, uh, and that lasted about twelve hours. And the next morning, on Thursday morning, was when the president decided to tweet that this was a witch hunt, and that uh, hey, by the way, why wasn't a special counsel ever ever appointed for all the scandals of President Obama and Hillary Clinton? So yeah, that's
0: of, that's a real winning argument,
1: exactly. So so it was sort of back to normal uh with trump and and since then you know we've basically heard this the the, the same from him and I don't think that's a good tack for the president he's i I do agree that if he can keep his head down and sort of out of this story, it does present an opportunity um, but I'm also skeptical that uh that this special counsel is not going to find. Anything. I think there's something to be found here. The FBI has been investigating this for a while. We don't have any evidence of, you know, uh, do we have evidence? And I, do we ever, ever think we'll have evidence of Donald Trump on the phone with Vladimir Putin? Hey, if you guys can uh, over there can figure out a way to hack John Podesta, that'd be great for me. Thanks. Bye. No, but uh, there's uh, enough uh, uh, investigating going on, and and really uh, some you know circumstantial evidence that makes me think. Uh, that that Mueller will find something. And if he does, that could be a real problem.
0: On the flip side, as we've talked about before, if there were evidence of some kind of actual collusion between the Trump team and the Russians, given the leaky town that Washington has been for the last right. few months, we'd probably have heard it if, if that evidence existed.
1: Yeah, and instead what we've heard is we've heard some... Um, uh, not not very good things about say Mike Flynn the former national security advisor who uh, among the Trump transition and the Trump uh, White House has had the sort of the closest connection with with the uh, Russian government he had been paid by RT the Russian owned propaganda network to give a speech a couple of years ago um and of course a lot of what precipitated his well what precipitated his downfall and some of the investigation into him was uh, his uh, untruthful accounts of hey, what he. Discussed. Hey Mike,
0: can, can you just see clear to maybe just let it go?
1: <laughs> let what go?
0: Like the Mike Flynn stuff. Just I'll,
1: let it go. Uh, yeah, right. absolutely. In, in fact, let me just write this down uh, in a little memo. That <laughs> where, I'll be...
0: are you, what are you scribbling over there?
1: <laughs> I'll do this afterward. Um, uh, are you going to be loyal? Uh, is this uh, how, how much longer for this uh, confab? I, I gotta gotta get, get right something. Uh, no, I mean so these are these are problems that I think uh, uh, will will grow for the Trump administration if this investigation finds that more of that sort of the Mike Flynn uh, 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 sort of unwillingness to be uh, truthful about uh, his interactions with the Russian government, um, some weird hangers on Carter Page. Uh, uh, Roger Stone. There's a lot of questions about what exactly they knew, um, and uh, they're, they're in g- generally sort of untrustworthy figures. And I think that could uh, that could be a real problem uh, for for Trump as this investigation goes on. The- and the reason I should say that is uh, Trump is now in a position where he really can't do anything about Mueller and about the investigation um uh, to do so to fire Mueller which he legally could he is the Mueller is a employee in his department of justice but to do that i think would would create such a firestorm that you would see republicans you know running far far away
0: well i mean i think what you would see is trump trump would not be able to himself fire mueller but rather he would have to dictate to the department of justice that they right. go and fire and then you would have the classic Nixonian Saturday, Saturday night, night massacre, massacre totally. where one after another official resigns refusing to execute the order of the president and um I think that that would clearly be what would happen with uh Rosenstein if Absolutely. if if he were told to you know cut a, cut the legs out from under Bob Mueller.
1: That's right. I think that's right. And 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 that's one side of of it. The, I think the other side of this is um has to do with the White House staff and the in the West Wing. Um uh, and, and, and if things get bad with this, which they could, the West Wing staff is under a lot of pressure. Uh, they're under they're understaffed. They uh, have a lot to do and they're sort of feeling the squeeze because the really, boss
0: doesn't make it easy. Exactly. The,
1: exactly. So now you add the magnifying glass of an FBI investigation with the you know, the, with, with uh, uh, the full force of the FBI really working on it. Um, that make gives un imaginable amounts of pressure to the staff
0: right especially when people want to you know start worrying that they might be the next next scooter libby which is to say someone who didn't do anything wrong but gets caught up in how they answer the questions
1: that are posed to them by a a special counsel exactly you have to imagine that if they're not uh lawyering up in the in the west wing uh, they're going to figure out soon enough that they've got to
0: you know one of the interesting things is that I think of of this whole uh, naming of a special prosecutor is the role of of the um, deputy AG and the the extent to which here was somebody who was that Trump needed to be able to withstand calls for the naming of a special prosecutor or rather a special counsel right and Trump actively undermined his ability to withstand calls for a special counsel. Trump, by saying by having um, Rosenstein put together this memo on right. Comey, and then saying, well, I, I didn't even need the justification. I was going to do it anyway. And it, you know, it's sort of making uh, Ron Rosenstein look like a stooge. Right. Then left him in a position where he could do nothing other than try to get out of this, you know, the stewed shack right. by naming a special counsel. So it, it it appears to me that the president really brought this on himself by the kind of, you know, sort of lack of
1: discipline that has afflicted so many other things that he's done. Right. Uh, now, the the pushback you get from the White House or certainly I get from the White House or from people working in there is that this is all uh, a plot. This is sabotage by um, they don't quite call it the deep state, but sort of the uh, permanent bureaucracy, uh, folks in the intelligence community who didn't like Mike Flynn, people in the intelligence and law enforcement, uh, federal law enforcement communities who don't like Trump, and they're just trying to find every which way to uh, uh, to sabotage his administration. But my rejoinder to that is: uh, uh, last I checked, the the deep state didn't uh, force Donald Trump to force his staff to lie about the reason that he was firing James Comey. They didn't uh, force him to ask James Comey for a loyalty oath uh, or ask James Comey to back off of the investigation into Mike Flynn. Um, these are own goals by the president, and uh, he's he's living with the consequences of those mistakes, and uh, it, it's you do sort of wonder uh, at what point – could this spiral completely out of control? Uh, and, and in a way, the naming of the special counsel kind of stems of that a little bit. It sort of takes the takes the heat off, takes the pressure off. There, I, there's a there's a sort of I could feel a collective sigh throughout Washington of of relief that uh, the special counsel had been named. It sort of felt like okay, there seems to be the, the possibility, the chance of a resolution of this whole thing. Right, some sort of resolution. Right.
0: But it, it would seem to me along these lines that if you come into town declaring that you're going to just, you know, rip up the 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 foundations of the deep state. And drain and the swamp. You're going to drain the swamp. You're taking this sort of totally adversarial role towards the establishment in Washington. Fair enough. Sure. The establishment could use some adversarial attitude against it. Right. But you've got to take seriously your opponent. And if your opponent is Washington and the establishment in Washington. You should have some idea of how Washington fights. Washington might fight dirty, but if you're going to come in and and tear it down, you better know how to do battle with Washington. And it just seems that Donald Trump has not had a clue about how you effectively do battle with the establishment in Washington.
1: There's a disconnect, I think, between a uh, number of his aides who I think have serious, uh, a, a sort of a serious ideological um, uh, thoughts about this, about the deep state and, and sort of what to do about it and how to drain the swamp. Uh, there's a disconnect between those people, however much I might disagree with their, their prescriptions for, for this. They, they do have sort of well thought out uh, 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 views of the world and why this has been bad for the American people there's a disconnect between those aides and the President himself, who pays no attention to detail, uh, sort of gets bored easily and, uh, and really isn 't loyal to anybody who uh, uh, who becomes inconvenient for him and so you you have this sort of strange phenomenon where uh, somebody like mike flynn who uh, who was going to sort of break up the intelligence uh, bureaucracy in Washington, that was sort of his goal. Um, Uh, Trump, you know, uh, uh, Trump was behind him and and, and, until it became inconvenient Uh, and then uh, Flynn was shown the door. Uh, I think that you need if you need if you're going to make this war against the bureaucracy and draining the swamp, you've sort of got to be in it whole hog. And Trump doesn't have the sort of self-discipline or really the deeper interest uh, in doing this. And so he's, he's got this problem of all these people underneath him sort of trying to do this, but not having uh, uh, somebody who, who cares or knows enough uh, about what he's doing uh, to actually see it through. And you end up getting caught up in all these kind of uh, 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 terrible positions uh, where now the FBI is investigating things.
0: Now, with his flailing, there was a lot of reporting going on this week that uh that President Trump is unhappy with his advisors, yeah um as though the problems he's experiencing are bad communication mm. um that that his staff is letting him down there was even and you had just written a cover story for the magazine uh two weeks ago. Uh, about the role of Jared Kushner right. uh, as the sort of right-hand man to the president, key advisor, there were even reports that he was yelling at Kushner. Right. Um, and does does the president really think that his problems flow from something other than himself?
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. I, I think that we can see that from the campaign. We can see that from some of his past business. Uh, uh dealings and situations uh, that this is not somebody who um really or the concept of self-criticism or self-evaluation uh really uh means anything i mean i think he was asked during the campaign in the interview um, have you made any mistakes in this campaign he kind of said bluntly no i don't think so
0: this is, <laughs> this is why at the inaugural ball he chose my way as a
1: song exactly. regrets i've had a few exactly. but not too many to mention exactly you know? exactly um so we saw this during the campaign right every every time that things got tough uh he shook things up you know cory lewandowski goes uh you know gets the boot and paul manafort comes in and when things and
0: that worked out really that well worked out
1: great yeah he may be one of these guys being uh investigated by the fbi um and then when when Paul Manafort sort of served his purpose and b- had become uh, a, a problem, he kicks him out and throws in Kellyanne Conway and, uh, and 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 Steve Bannon.
0: But you know, it would seem to me that it's going to get harder and harder when you every time you do this shakeup to get competent, solid people who are willing to to come in and be part of this fiasco.
1: I think that's that's a which huge produces problem. a bigger fiasco. That's right. Now, if he really wanted to do this his way, uh, he could bring in uh, a, a whole staff of outsiders. Um, in a way, he probably thinks, I brought in too many insiders, and this is sort of muddying things up, and I don't have enough of my guys in here.
0: Right. The word is that uh, that he's eager to get rid of a number of Reince Priebus' staffers who right. are— establishment people.
1: Right, and also heavily represented in the communications uh, part of the West Wing. Um, Yes, that is... So he could do that, right? He could get rid of, you know, any... Uh, vestiges of the establishment, and and bringing all outsiders. But who wants to be the next Sean Spicer? Exactly. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, well, apparently Kimberly Guilfoyle, the uh, Fox News uh, host, has been floating herself out there before. <laughs> so apparently she wanted the job. But I mean, I think this is you, you. You touch on this big problem, which is that it's already understaffed. They're already stretched too thin. They're already sort of being pushed to the breaking point. I had a uh, phone conversation with one uh, White House aide this week that began, you know, something like nine in the morning with, I'm going to quit this job. I can't stand it anymore. Uh, I, think, I think this person uh, stepped back a few hours later and, and didn't really mean it, but that's sort of where the White House staff is. If you clear out a lot of those people who are already kind of, uh, many of them kind of the the B team uh, of Republican sort of political and government folks, um, then who do you have, who do you have left? We, we won't tell your source that you called her the B team. But. I, 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 I was not including my source in that B team. Uh, and in fact, I will say uh, uh, I should, for my own purposes here. And, and to be fair, um, big chunks of the national security uh, and, and sort of foreign policy team um, at the White House do, are are not part of that B team. But, they're also understaffed as well, so I mean, this this sort of this is a huge problem, and all of these sort of legal headaches for the president uh, will tr- are and will continue to trickle down to the staff, and you have to wonder what does the White House look like in six months? We don't know, but it's probably not going to look a lot better.
0: Now, the White House may not be able to take advantage of uh, the breathing room that this investigation uh, brings on, uh, but I do think that. Capitol Hill Republicans have got to be breathing a sigh of relief that at least for the moment this all of the questions uh, about Russia and the Trump team um, are kind of off the table there 's an investigation going on they 're not responsible for their investigation right you know they can they can get back to maybe pursuing an agenda, although I suspect the ability to move any agenda, given how messed up things have become right. is is rather limited but uh what's your sense of on the hill
1: yeah i think that that i think that that's right uh the senate's probably got an easier time actually of moving things than the house um uh, but but that's right they they are, they they all seem to sort of be relieved our colleague jenna liffitt's been reporting from capitol hill and um they all seem to sort of be saying uh what what's the problem we've always been working on the uh, on our you know domestic legislative agenda this is never you know the uh, what scandals what investigations we're not worried about that i think that shows you sort of how um quickly they've been able to free themselves uh from all this russia talk um but there but there is something that 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 perhaps Uh, you know, deep within the uh, NRCC, they're really worrying and wringing their hands about, which is the 2018 midterm elections. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Fred Barnes wrote about that for the magazine this week. And his interesting take is if Donald Trump thinks that he is an oppressed, ill-used figure at this point, (laughs) he has no idea what kind of hurt he's in for if the Democrats take the house and have the ability to run all their own investigations and subpoena, everything they that's want, right. he, you know, things have been tough so far and that's with having both houses of Congress
1: in your own party. Um, exactly. Yeah. It, it, and, and, uh but, but what I think is if Republicans think that, okay, this takes the pressure off them, um, you know, It's you can sort of go down this rabbit hole of comparing every scandal, particularly every Trump scandal uh, to Watergate. But you look at what happened in uh, in 1974 uh, for in the House of Representatives and the Senate, for that matter. And uh, Republicans were were just pilloried uh, in that election. And um, so much of it was uh, about the president who had by then resigned uh, from from the presidency. So um, in the sort of immediate term. Uh, this takes the pressure off of Republicans, but it, it really adds to all their other problems they have. They're, they're, uh, it, it's never good for the midterm, uh, for the incumbent party, uh, the first midterm at, at the beginning of the first term, they've got problems with getting through healthcare, uh, legislation and people are, uh, sort of un- unsure about that. Uh, and they really haven't delivered anything else on, uh, jobs, the economy, that sort of thing that president Trump ran on. Uh, so you add all of you, you take all of that, and then you add uh, this, brew, you know, brewing uh, investigation. It may not be on their tables anymore with the special counsel, uh, but it's going to be on voters' minds when they go to the polls in 2018.
0: We'll see whether Robert Mueller uh, comes out and has a press conference uh, three days before the election. I that would, would be Comey style.
1: That would be Comey style. I would find it very. Having talked to people who work close with Mueller, I'd find it very hard to believe he wants to be anywhere near a press microphone uh, until all of this is over with.
0: Michael Warren, senior writer for The Weekly Standard, thanks for joining us on The Confab. Thanks for having me. If we can break away from the issues of national import for a moment or two, this is the part of The Confab where we talk for a few seconds about our sponsor, the Dollar Shave Club. Get a great shave at a great price With razors delivered right to your door. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. No schlepping to the store where you either get a cheap disposable razor that gives you a cheap shave, or you spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving technology that you don't need. There's a special deal for confab listeners who join the Dollar Shave Club. You get $15 worth of blades and shave butter for just $5. That's a weighty handle plus four cartridges and a tube of shave butter, all for $5. It's easy to order online. All you have to do to get this exclusive offer is go to dollarshaveclub.com slash confab. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash confab. Now we're happy to welcome Phil Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard, to the Confab studio. Phil, how's it going?
2: It's going very well, thank you.
0: Good. You're here to tell us all about a fracas outside the uh, Turkish ambassador's residence here in Washington. But before we talk about this, I have to offer a caveat. You know, as journalists, we're supposed to be disinterested, fair minded. But I find it very difficult to be fair-minded about this because I have to drive by the Turkish ambassador's residence on my way home. And Tuesday, the entire multi-block area was turned into a parking lot, and uh, I was stuck for hours. My car overheated. So I'm bent out of shape at the Turks about this. And so I just wanted people to realize it so that uh, I'm not accused of being unfair. But what was it? that uh, that brought about this cessation of traffic moving in the District of Columbia on Tuesday.
2: Well, I was going to say welcome to contemporary Washington, where that sort of thing happens in, <laughs> in all quadrants of the city and just about every day now. But, uh, well, what happened was, of course, uh, President uh, Erdogan of Turkey uh, paid a visit to the uh, Trump White House, and um, he then went to have dinner at the Turkish and ambassadors' residence on Sheridan Circle, on Embassy Row. And there was, as is usually the case, a knot of human rights protesters, uh, Armenians, Greeks, Yazidis, Kurds, and a few others, uh, in in the circle holding signs and um, not doing anything. But there weren't that many of them, and they weren't doing anything in particular except standing with their signs and occasionally shouting out... Uh, <clears throat> the usual slogans. Well, at some point – well, there was a a, a modest police line uh, surrounding the ambassador's residence since the Turkish president was, was there. But at any rate, at some point, a couple of dozen um, uh, men, uh, some armed – uh, suddenly, burst forth from the Turkish ambassador's residence, <laughs> stormed through the police line, and then ran into the uh, circle and started beating the living daylights out of the uh, out of the demonstrators. Now, was, this
0: this was like classic, you know, third world dictatorship thug behavior kind of beating. We're talking we're not talking about you know kind of shoving matches. We're talking about uh, smackdown, and and then when people are on the ground. Kicking! Them. Oh, this
2: was no. This was not shouting imprecations at one another. They they were first of all. If you look at the video, you can clearly see that some of them have guns in their in their in their uh, waistbands. Well, they are security they officials are security, after, after yeah, all. After yeah. all, and they, and they and and embassy rows are a very dangerous place. But no, no. I mean, they had uh, truncheons. They were beating, kicking, uh, bloodying. Uh, something like uh, twelve people were sent to the hospital. A few people with fairly serious injuries. I have to say, as you well know, Eric, I'm a uh, native of Washington and have lived here off and on most of my life. And I've never <laughs> witnessed anything quite like that, even at the height of the Cold War when there was always a knot of demonstrators in front of the Soviet embassy or something. The yeah, Russians didn't <laughs> do that. The,
0: the Falun Gong protesters get outside of the, the Chinese embassy on regular basis, and China – doesn't treat very uh, uh, delicately the Falun Gong folks in China, but they wouldn't dream of having a bunch of suited, uniformed people come running out and start beating on the Falun Gong protesters in Washington, no, D.C. No, I, I,
2: I, to me it's unprecedented. I can't think of any situation where we've been at daggers drawn with some foreign entity, and, and we're, ostensibly we're not with Turkey, where anything remotely like like that happens. So... Um, I mean, in that sense, it was a taste of what p- protesters experience in Turkey, but we're here in the United States. And I, I will add, it's not the first time this has happened. Uh, President Erdogan gave a talk at the Brookings Institution last, uh, well, a little over a year ago, and exactly the same thing happened. There was a knot of demonstrators on the sidewalk. There was a police line. And once again, about uh, 25 or 30 um Jackbooted thugs, to use the famous phrase, came storming out of Brookings. And, of course, the police were overwhelmed, as were the protesters. And it was actually, in my recollection, it was a couple of policemen, district policemen, and one or two bureaucrats from Brookings who came out and finally were able to, you know, essentially order them back in, yeah, but not until they'd bloodied the I people.
0: have this image in my mind of the geeky, policy wonk equivalent of Mick Jagger at Altamont when he's saying <laughs> to the Hells Angels who are beating up the the, the audience, you know, people, people, yeah. why are you fighting?
2: Yes, exactly. No, it's very, uh, very, very similar.
0: So is the U.S. right, as a number of lawmakers have uh, suggested, to take this as not just a a violation of the rights of the people who were protesting but a direct insult to the United States of America.
2: Well, I think that's a reasonable thing to say. I mean, I mean our relations with Turkey are clearly uh, in transition. I mean the 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 Erdogan government uh, uh is very different from most of its predecessors. It's an increasingly authoritarian government. It's it has been hostile to the interests of the United States in 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 some respects. Um, and so it's it's a delicate moment. Um, but I, I I was shocked, frankly, last year when the Brookings uh, incident essentially was papered over afterwards. There was there were no repercussions, no no security personnel, no embassy personnel from the Turkish embassy who were also involved. None were declared persona non grata. It was kind of regarded that the, our bilateral relations are too important to let a little incident like this. But this is. This is a bigger incident and, of course, all captured in lurid video. And I think, I think Americans, uh, especially in their nation's capital, expect that, that foreign governments behave themselves in accordance with American norms on American soil, seems Di- reasonable.
0: Diplomatic immunity is not a license to go about
2: clubbing people in the street. It is not. And if you do that, diplomatic immunity doesn't prevent you from being ordered out of the country.
0: Now, the State Department spokesman said, quote, "We are communicating our concern to the Turkish government in the strongest possible terms." <laughs> <laughs> Quaking in their boots, I'm sure.
2: Undoubtedly, um, yeah. I think if there's one thing President Erdogan fears, it's it's a stiff diplomatic <laughs> note, a stern talking to. There was a, a another, yet another incident at, at the United Nations last year um, involving. Turkish security personnel. They seem to feel that they have a a, a certain impunity about these things, and thus far, they have uh, enjoyed, that, enjoyed that. Although I will say, on the subject of human rights, I mean, there couldn't have been a a more dramatic clarification of the issue for anyone in doubt observing the, the situation than what happened in Washington as you were um, bravely attempting to drive home <laughs> the, the other <laughs> the other afternoon.
0: Phil Terzian, thanks for joining us on The Confab. Thank you. That's it for The Confab this week. Be sure to tune in to The Confab every week. Just go to iTunes for a free subscription or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. Join the Confab conversation. Let us know what you want to hear more about. You can email us at podcasts at weeklystandard.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.